morning, y'all. This is Mornings with Pastor Adam on the West Coast Bible Teacher Podcast. I've uh, I've decided, I think, what I'm going to be doing now that I have this uh, Jonah study going on every Tuesday until, I think, February 13th. Um, what I'm going to do is on the weeks when I'm teaching, and I'll explain this for a minute, uh, on these teaching weeks, I'll post uh, a morning show um, Monday mornings, Tuesday morning, and Thursday morning. On Wednesday morning, I'll post, uh, and you'll be able to listen to my teaching from the night before. Um, and then Friday, and all through the weekend, of course, I won't be posting anything. Uh, so that means that during my teaching seasons at my church, I'll uh, just be posting uh, three mornings podcast episodes a week, mornings with Pastor Adam. I'll have that up three uh, days a week, um, but you'll still get content in total uh, four days a week because I'm going to be posting my teaching every Wednesday morning uh, from the Tuesday night before. Hopefully you followed all that, <laughs> um, but when my Jonah study is over, uh, that's when I'll have a mornings episode up Monday through Thursday. And uh, I'm uh, tag-teaming right now at my church with another pastor, and so I'll be teaching a study for a number of weeks, and then he's going to jump in and take over and teach for another eight to ten weeks or so. Then I'll come back up. Um, You see, so we're taking turns on Tuesday nights at my church. So during my teaching seasons, you will uh, get content four days a week on this podcast, But I'm just not going to be able to publish a morning's episode every day. Um, That's just how it's going to uh, work right now with my schedule. And uh, hopefully you all are cool with that. Um, (laughs) But anyway, now that I got that out of the way, let's get into it this morning. Today, I want to talk to those of you who are perhaps engaging right now in a rather serious sense. I say serious. Because as I've talked about before in my teaching and on this podcast, not all sin is exactly alike. You see, God's not stupid. (laughs) He knows what's up, just as much as we do. And this is why there will be a judgment one day. He's not going to be evaluating every single sin in the same way. No judge renders the same verdict for every crime that is committed, because not all crime is alike. Now, I've mentioned before, for those of you who might have uh, contention with what I'm saying here, I would encourage you to go on my website, West Coast Bible Teacher, click on my blog, and scroll a little, and you'll see that I have a blog article I wrote back over the summertime that goes over the Uh, the various scripture passages that tell us how not all sin is the same in God's eyes. Now, I'm going to provide a few of these passages to start, Um, just not not all of them. So, I would encourage you, if you want to further, um, you know, get further insight, to check out that blog post. And uh, I know what you're thinking, oh, Adam, you just want to promote your blog, you know, and... (laughs) Actually, not really. I I haven't posted a blog since November. (laughs) Been busy. But from the angle of salvation, okay, yes, all sin is the same in that one sin is enough to keep you out of heaven. 
All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. But looking at it from the angle of, well, again, of the final judgment, not all sin is completely alike. God revealed his statutes, and he revealed himself to the Israelites at Mount Sinai. And when he did so, he provided laws and regulations that were to be implemented, and he established that there were to be different levels of punishments for different transgressions against the law. God knows the heart. And certain sins are more serious than others because certain actions reveal a more serious heart condition. The act of murder demonstrates that there is hatred in a person's heart. Hatred is a serious thing. Very serious. In 1 John, we read that if anyone says they're a believer and yet they hate their brother or sister, they're a liar. Now, that's a serious passage right there. (laughs) But God looks at the heart. And so it is interesting because I've heard Christians say things like, well, it, you know, it's, it's, it's good, it's important to live with the mindset, you see, that all sin is equal in seriousness because that will help you to abstain from all sin. <laughs> but it's interesting, I've seen that mindset actually have the opposite effect <laughs> in Christians' lives. They develop the attitude of, okay, yeah, you know, all, all sin is equal in seriousness, you know, so it's it's not a huge deal if I keep on engaging in this really bad thing I'm doing because you know it. You know, all sin is equally bad, and we all sin. You know, the pastor or deacon at my church. You know, my sin is no worse than his. You know, that's why we all need a savior. Thank you, Jesus. You know, <laughs> putting all sequ- putting all sin on equal footing can have that opposite effect to where you then develop a carefree attitude to your sin. Well, we all sin. You know, sin is all equally bad. And so, yeah, I'm just a sinner that needs a savior just like anyone else. You know, my sin isn't any different from anyone else's. (laughs) Now, there are many things we can say about this type of attitude. But God won't be mocked. We read in Galatians 6, verses 7 through 8, Do not be deceived... God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And then Paul says, we have a choice. We can either sow to the flesh or sow to the spirit. Because one day, what one has sown will be made manifest at the eschaton. And so what I'm getting at here is, you can't become comfortable in habitual sin. Especially if the sin is serious. Here are a couple of passages for you. 1 John 19. Actually, no, I'm sorry. In the Gospel of John, <laughs> chapter 19, we read when the Jewish people were pressuring Pilate to kill Jesus. Pilate went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus, of course, gave him no answer. Pilate said, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? 
Jesus said to him, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Now, who handed Jesus over to Pilate? Well, it was Caiaphas, the high priest. Caiaphas was essentially acting as the spokesperson for the religious leaders who were so vehemently attacking Jesus throughout his earthly ministry. These men knew that Jesus had committed no crime. And they were without excuse as men being well-versed in the scriptures and the Hebrew scriptures, for they should have known. The signs were there. It should have been quite evident to them that they were communicating with the Son of God, the prophesied Messiah. Therefore they were guilty of a greater sin. Pilate was a man who was in the wrong place at the wrong time, you see. He didn't have it out for Jesus. In fact, he really wanted to release Jesus and was trying very hard to have him released. But he didn't try hard enough. So Pilate ultimately was still without excuse. Don't get me wrong. In fact, we read in Matthew 27 that Pilate's wife had a dream. She was warned by the Lord. And she related to her husband. She said to him, Do not have anything to do with this man. I have suffered tremendously all night because of him. So Pilate was without excuse. He no doubt committed sin. And yet, as far as the heart condition went, his sin was still not as serious as those who conspired and planned to charge Jesus and have him executed. Now, that is just one example in the scriptures of how not all sins are exactly the same in God's sight. Another would be Ezekiel chapter 8. God took the prophet Ezekiel to the temple into the entrance of the north gate of the inner court, where there was an idol that had made God jealous. The Israelites were engaging in pagan worship, idolatry, wicked things that Israel's neighbors were engaging in. That after showing Ezekiel this idol that was set up at the entrance of the north gate of the inner court, the Lord said to Ezekiel something interesting in verse 6, Son of man, referring to Ezekiel, do you see what they are doing? The utterly detestable things the Israelites are doing here, things that will drive me far away from my sanctuary. But you will see things that are even more detestable. And then God proceeded to take Ezekiel to different spots within the temple setting in Jerusalem, where wicked things, even more detestable things, were taking place. And a few times over, after God went ahead and revealed to Ezekiel another abominable thing that his people were engaging in, he would then affirm to Ezekiel, again, he would say, But hey, let me show you things even more detestable than this. God said that to Ezekiel a few times over as he was showing him different abominable practices that were occurring in the temple setting. So everything, of course, that the Israelites were engaging in, all the abominable practices before, you know, that of the exile of the Jews, everything that they were engaging in, you know, what got them under judgment, 
All of it was bad. But there were still some wicked things that God saw and viewed as even more detestable than others. And God has allowed it to be ingrained within our psyche, within our very conscience. We will naturally have more of an intense reaction to certain evils than we will to other things that are still technically sin, but not as severe. If someone gets cussed out, you know, in public, you you see someone get cussed out, you know, we'll, we'll have a reaction to that. You know, oh man, that's horrible. How that person, you know, at the grocery store in, in the checkout line, I, I saw they, they cussed out their spouse in front of everyone or, or their child or whoever they were with, you know. But we'll have an even stronger reaction if we see that person actually physically strike and harm their spouse out in public or their child, or someone that they're passing by on the street, or what, you know, whatever the case might be. You see, it's naturally engraved within our psyche to understand that some things are more serious than others. Now, if you read through the Proverbs, you'll see that God does make it a practice of judging people for their wickedness in this life. But that is not always the case. In Proverbs, we get various passages that seem to be very straightforward that God will bless and take care of the righteous on this earth, but will judge and allow the wicked to undergo suffering. This is where hermeneutics comes in, though. In Proverbs, what we are getting are more generalities of how God will often work on this earth. However, God won't always work in that way. It's not always clear-cut. Oftentimes, people will have to wait till they reach the other side before they experience their judgment for their unrepentant sin. But sooner or later, God will judge you. <laughs> His eyes are everywhere. And that never changes. That's always the case. And so you might be engaging in something that you know you shouldn't be engaging in. You're getting away with it right now. But just because you're getting away with it, that doesn't mean that God's fine with it, nor does it mean that he's not going to judge you for it. The reason why God's allowing you to get away with it right now is because he is gracious. God is giving you time to repent. And God often gives people lots of time to repent. He knows your situation, he knows your story, and he knows how much slack is a fair amount of slack to give to you before he comes down and gets you for your sin. He might wait till you pass over into the next life before judging you for that unrepentant sin in your life, or he might go ahead and judge you sooner than that. He might do it in this current earthly life. Again, the Proverbs are accurate in how they tell us that, yes, God often is in fact judging the wicked in this earthly life. God often will allow you to have it <laughs> before you actually cross over and stand before him face to face. But to the church in Thyrotyra, in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus said, I have this against you 
You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By teaching by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Again, whether it's in this life or the life to come, God will indeed repay each of us according to our deeds. Now, God often will warn us. He'll give us warnings. That's what the major and minor prophets were all about. He'll warn us because, again, he's loving. He doesn't want us to undergo pain. He doesn't want to see us suffer. That doesn't give him pleasure. God gave his people lots of time to repent. Lots of time. And even that of the Ninevites. Remember, that's what I'm going over right now with the Jonah study. Even a nation as wicked as they were. He gave them slack. Forty days to repent. He wasn't just ready to come down and slam them. And so that should give you encouragement. If you want to know how wicked the Ninevites were, listen to the study that I post tomorrow morning that I teach tonight. We're going to be going over that. So don't think you're too far gone. Don't think, oh, you know, it's useless. I, I can't repent. I'm so, you know, with the secret sin I've engaged in for years, whatever it is, I, I just, it's, 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 it's too far gone spiritually. You know, God's, God's not interested in using me. You know, maybe I'll, I'll make it to heaven, of course. I'm saved, you know, but I, I, it's, God can't use me. You know, it's, it is what it is. I'm, I'm too far gone. No, don't have that attitude. God's still looking for you to repent. If you come before him on your knees, he'll grab a hold of you. And he'll take you on a journey unlike anything that you've ever been through before in this life. If you finally start to serve him and say to yourself, all right, I'm ready now. I'm ready to give this thing up, whatever it might be, this thing that's holding me back from serving the Lord in my entirety. And so I would encourage you in this this morning. So this has been Mornings with Pastor Adam, everyone. Again, God willing, tomorrow morning I'll have the uh, second Jonah study up for you to enjoy. Um, we'll be jumping actually into Jonah chapter 1 tonight. Last week, of course, was just an introduction and you know background to the book of Jonah. But anyhow, this has been Mornings with Pastor Adam on the West Coast Bible Teacher Podcast. God bless you, and I'll talk to you soon.